0: So a lot to lot to recap. I uh, I basically formed the introduction based around four questions, and uh, the first was, <clears throat> what is the church? Uh, we concluded it's a gathering of called out ones. We are called out of the world to gather or worship primarily. Right, that was the first question. What is the church? Secondly, it was Is the church an institution? I concluded, yes, it is an institution. It was given elders. It's given order. uh, And it's given um, means, the means of grace. Right. This all um, embodies an institution. This is what embodies an institution. Um, And the third question, are we religious? Um, Based on the phrase, you know, Christianity is not a religion, it's a lifestyle. I concluded that actually it is both. It's a religion and a lifestyle, because religion is a lifestyle. Um, And fourthly, and this is the one we got caught up with, uh, are we traditional? Are we a traditional church? And I said, yes, we are. We are a traditional church. Um, uh, Especially, you know, we were covering our culture, our just our history, uh, uh, living in America, we tend to shy away from anything traditional, and that is that is a great fault, uh, especially since in the scriptures we see a tradition.
1: Lately, too, Derek. like not. not yeah, lately. Not, this not, is not
0: traditionally, right?
1: It's like lately, in the last like
0: two um,
1: to three decades, maybe. Or, you know, I mean, I'll say I'll say hundred
0: years, do maybe.
1: You think yeah. That much.
0: Yes, and I'm going to. All right. Cool talk about that a little bit um yeah last few decades but it's the the seed
1: of course i've only been around for two <laughs> decades so maybe that's the problem well <laughs>
0: yeah being a history buff i like reading like 100 years ago and right. trying to find where where did the problem start where where did this begin um there's so many books out there that you can read on it but um but before i recap the last the last lesson I, i'm gonna book drop here I'm always book driving. Um, Those who become new members, um, or if you're a non-communicant member, and you become a member, I'll give you a copy of this book. Presbytopia by Ken Golden. Um, It's a great resource for lay people to read about Presbyterianism, specifically, uh, where we find it in the Bible, and, you know, at the end of each chapter, you've got questions to ask yourself. So it's really easy to read. It's not thick. It's not heavy. So... Uh, that's, that's a good one to pick up. Um, this one, which I'll read probably a little bit from today. The need for creeds today. Uh, the necessity of a church having confessions. Uh, people think that, well, it's, you know, the Bible's necessary. Why are confessions necessary? Um, I posted, if you go back and listen to podcast that I posted this past week on the Facebook, uh, I posted his interview for this book. Uh, with a couple ministers who I've uh, had the privilege of meeting and actually being shepherded by. Um,
1: Who's the author of that? Uh,
0: J.V. Fesco. I've dropped his name quite a bit since membership class. Okay. But he's, uh, this has to do with the need for confessions, not just, oh, it's, it's good that we have it. It's, 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 it's nice because it keeps our doctrine in check. But he's saying there's a need for it. And in the interview, it's interesting because he, he goes to Ephesians 4, and how God has given gifts to the church. And one of those gifts are pastors and teachers. And if they are gifts and we're, we're to listen to them, uh, does that mean they're gifts only while they're alive? Well, no, right? They're gifts even after they have gone. They've written things and they've left publications for us to read. And the early church left us creeds, and then by the Reformation, we have confessions. And those are all pastors who uh, tended their flocks. And yeah, they're, they're saying things outside of the Bible, right? But they are a necessity. Just like preaching is a necessity. Every word I preach up there is not, I'm not reading the Bible word for word. And that's it, right? I'm preaching to you. I'm, I'm trying to shepherd. I'm trying to guide you. And so that is a necessity, Right. Even though it's extra biblical, it's outside of the Bible. And so he's also making the case that confessions and creeds are necessary. So those are a couple good books. And uh, the companion book to that is the earlier publication by my former pastor, uh, The Creedal Imperative um, by Carl Truman. This is, again, both, all three books are really easy to read. They're not heavy, right? They're not going to drive you nuts. Um, They're easy to read. A lot of history in those last two books. But they're really, really good to add to your library to get to know the tradition. Get to know uh, the OPC even. And what we stand for. And um, the necessity of being Presbyterian and confessional. And that's where I'll go. First, to recap our last class. um, I went on a rant. The last class... Was not from my notes at all. Uh, I, I jotted down. I think there's a couple things on the bottom of my page here, and that's when I went up What I went on. That's why, if you listen to the class, there's a lot of uh and pausing. And but I guess I'll go on another rant. I'm going to um, just recap quickly. What are the main points from last class? Was we are traditional, right? I I, I quoted from scripture from Second Thessalonians two fifteen, the word. Uh, emphasizing the word paradosis, right? And reading from it, I, uh, I, I quoted, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel, that is the, the apostles preaching, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, right there. There were things the apostles said that were necessary for them to hear, but it wasn't in the Bible, right? A lot of their sermons are not recorded in the scriptures. And we don't go to glory right away, right? There is a time we spend after we are saved in this world. So until we get to glory, there is a calling for us here on earth. And that calling is to stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. Right, that's Second Thessalonians two fifteen. The traditions that were taught by us. So the church in the Bible is traditional. It is traditional, and the OPC would argue it is also Presbyterian. Um, I'm going to read from uh, another good book, but I'm not going to. You don't have to look this uh, this very heavy. This is very heavy. Uh, Samuel Miller, um, Princeton theologian from Princeton Seminary, before they went liberal,
1: <laughs> way before they went
0: liberal. When was that? Uh, the 1920s is when they shifted. But um, he was, what, what were his dates? I'm forgetting now. No, 1759 to about 18, 18 something, 1840 something. Yeah, he, he lived a long time. Um, yeah 1769 to 1850 so he he saw some controversy in the Presbyterian church in his life let's just say I'll cover a little bit of that but um, let me read from the uh, the forward here it is by it is by Gregory Reynolds he was a minister in the OPC right here in our Presbytery Um, some of you may know the name he wrote the forward here. He recently retired. I think this last year or so, or the year before. I think it was when I, I was licensed. He he um, he retired uh, from uh, the church in Emescape, uh New Hampshire. Uh, he says this, and here he's speaking about uh, conservative Bible-believing Christians in America, uh, cr- conservative Christians or fundamentalist Christians, right? First, in battling the liberals over the past century, conservative Christians have tended to minimize doctrinal differences and theological precision in favor of a broad coalition based on fundamentals. Right? That's why they're called fundamentalists. So let, let, let's, see the, let's see what fundamentalists do. They begin with the fundamentals you got the inerrancy of Scripture. Scripture is without error. Right? It is the Word of God. We have the Holy Trinity. Right? God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is God and man. Those are the fundamentals. And we all agree with them. Um, and we all hold on to them. They are the fundamentals of the faith. But what fundamentalists do, they, they skip They make a skip, right? They skip over a whole portion of doctrine. There's the doctrine of God, doctrine of salvation they hold on to. Then they jump over the doctrine of of the church. Right? The church is not that important. We all have different views. Let's just leave it as is. It is of secondary importance, which it is. The doctrine of the church is secondary compared to those fond- fundamental doctrines. But what fundamentalists have done is make the secondary thing, the church, to mean not that important at all. That's where they, they fall off, right? Uh, is that they make the secondary importance, oh, that's secondary importance. We shouldn't fight amongst Christians over them.
1: What do you- can I ask questions?
0: Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, so you, um, I'm picking up everything you're putting down right now. I got yep. it all.
0: Yeah. I missed you somewhere.
1: Explain or give me some examples of what you're talking about. Uh, in today's, if, because I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself, some, I think. Of a non-denominational <clears throat> congregation. Yeah. Been to a few of those where mm-hmm. it's like, come. Yeah. And let's just sing some praises in 15 minutes. Is that what you're talking Yes. Okay.
0: That's exactly what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, that's... Uh, and uh, I'm even talking about some Reformed. There, there's, okay, some, there's some Reformed so who, what, who think that, that way. That's my question. Yeah, there's some Reformed who say... You know, that whole doctrine of the church, whether or not we should have elders and who should be elders, this, that, and the other.
1: Probably discipline is a big that, deal too.
0: Discipline, uh, these types of issues, they're not that important. What, what's really important, and what do you think is really important? What do you think the fundamentalists, what have they done? In skipping over the church and the importance of the church, what have they done instead? What do they place importance yeah. And I mentioned quickly in, in the sermon. Morals, yeah, morals. Where does that lead? Do, do they keep it to themselves? No. And I, I don't agree we should keep it to ourselves. I'm not saying that you know, we keep our morals to this. They are more focused on using the church as a vehicle to change society.
1: Yeah, I remember you mentioning that this and I'm not making a connection, but okay. Great. Yeah. So that's,
0: that's I get it. I put get all the. I mean, you ever been in a church that um, places most of their emphasis on just being relevant, yeah. right? They're only trying to relate with the the culture, yeah. or they're trying to drive the culture in a certain direction. They're, they're, those are the two ditches.
1: I mean. No, I haven't. I see this stuff on TV, okay? Because I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> All right? I mean, you don't know, really.
0: Okay. All right. I really All haven't right. been anywhere. I mean,
1: look around here. All right. You know, sorry. There. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So I mean, uh, I, it, I'm not seeing the. I don't see. The, I don't even. I wouldn't okay. have even went to high school with people that. I get what you're saying, but.
0: I mean, just just picture picture a uh, uh, school, say a school that hasn't been updated in a long time. Right, You know, they have murals of public leaders on the wall and, right. and, and they have posters of issues that were issues 20 years ago, but they're no longer, they're not e- either an issue or they're just taking over the culture. Um, that's, you know, you, you find churches like that where you go in and it's like, wow, I mean, they have all this stuff on the wall, but, you know, on their bulletin board, but where, where's Jesus and where is ordinary means and we've been we're, to services in yeah.
1: the local area that were confusing um,
0: baptizing a same sex you know, oh yeah daughter yeah. And, you know, all are welcome,
1: you know, please take communion, we don't care. Yeah. Um, things are not explained, you know, yeah. you want to be baptized, yes, come, we'll do it. But not explain to them what they're doing. Yeah. Or or even if it's a member, you know, becoming a member, like they never heard of sitting through classes. <laughs> I shouldn't say I haven't seen it. Yes. Well, it's, it's around. So that I get it.
0: that's the that's the um that's the reaction. The liberal what was saying? The liberal church is the reaction to what? Fundamentalism to this to this fundamentalism where you know the doctrine of the church kind of is put aside for the sake of changing society. So what did uh, and this was in the last class Where we spoke.
1: Where does that come from? Where does the society um, thing come into it? What social, ha- social gospel.
0: So, was- social gospel is the liberal side, but okay. let's think of the conservative side.
1: Okay. Yeah. The
0: 1920s, what was going on? The, the
1: 1920s. Well, the Depression happened.
0: Well, that. What else? What, what was what was the, the sin that everybody was, all Christians were fighting? Prohibition. Prohibition. Yeah. Prohibition. And so they... You know, at that time, there were many coalitions and many um, unifying of churches to fight alcohol. That was the main evil in our society at that time. So they wanted to prohibit. They wanted to get rid of it. Um, To me, you know, looking back, that's a form of legalism, right? Um, But when it came to the church and how the church is to be governed, that was of no importance. They were only using the church. They wanted the church to just be this catalyst, this vehicle to change society. And I think both conservatives and liberals do the same thing. They, they perform the same um, misapplication of the church. Right? And that's why I said last week, oh, well, the last class, we're never going to promote a certain politician as a church, right? As an institution, we're never going to put a banner of a politician on our lawn, or anything like that. I'm not going to allow a politician to have a speak in our pulpit. None of that, you know. I, I was joking around with Jesse. He could become the president. He's not going to. He's not going um, <laughs> to campaign here, right? We don't do that. That's not, and that's why we don't have an American flag, right?
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm still on yeah. the phone, and I'm sorry to hold you up. No, that's fine. So so this is what it's about. So this is what it's about. If, the, if this fundamentalist is, is if, the, if the church is the vehicle to change things and what you're saying is potentially, you know, we're talking about the 1920s and prohibition. so they yeah. were trying to, I mean <clears throat> people were just totally against alcohol and wanted it gone, that was what prohibition was, yeah. and I would be on the side that using alcohol wisely, whatever okay, yeah. but, but that's fine, so what's going on today you know, with same-sex marriage, and, you know, how is yeah. that, what is the church doing, I'm just, I'm saying same-sex marriage, I'm saying homosexuality is, oh, you know, I think I saw on North, and on North Country now, the rainbow <coughs> flag being flown high, and yeah. at a couple churches in Canton and Potsdam, you know, I think there's a whole rainbow, just so everyone knows, love the, you know, hate the sin, not the sinner here, but I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, and I'm that's
0: not, the point. That's I'm the point. Not to be malicious, but. That's the point.
1: But, but what's the. But, so, what is the church. How is the.
0: The fundamentalist church arising today?
1: And, it's a, and is it.
0: Um,
1: it doesn't seem to affect. It doesn't seem. It doesn't, doesn't seem affect to be us. be affecting society positively.
0: No, well, well again, is the response, right? How do we respond? We know, you know, in the OPC and in Bible-believing churches, the only response to what's going on in the world for us is the gospel, right? right. It is not um, adopting Americanism in the church, right? Flying the flag and right. becoming a patriotic church. That's not going to dissuade anyone. It never has. Um, or becoming a political church, right? We can't do that our solution is always found in the scriptures and in the gospels it's grounded on the rock of our salvation right um because that is their salvation and I will speak to the issues you've heard me preach on abortion homosexuality uh, I've even mentioned racism right um it's about being comfortable I mean making people feel comfortable yeah and that's and, that, and that's not what we should be doing yeah um I, that's what I was told. Going to a church, you know, you are welcome here. Be comfortable. We want you comfortable. You know, we we want you to take communion. We want yeah. you know and look at the kids. Take communion. But but what is the error on the fundamentalist side?
1: Well, the, the error is that sin isn't sin anymore.
0: No, well, that's on the liberal side. On the fundamentalist side, I'm talking about conservative. What a, what a conservative church is doing wrong in response.
1: Closing, closing, closing their eyes to it, maybe. Right. I, um,
0: or it could be...
1: Condemning.
0: Condemning the sin without the gospel. Okay, right. so I'm...
1: I'm well, I hate the sin, not the sinner, right? Yeah.
0: But the gospel is missing as, as the means of grace, right? The ordinary means of grace, the preaching of the word, the sacrament, prayer and many churches are missing right. or the emphasis is not there or the gospel is not emphasized you, you preach a long sermon about sin okay I know I'm condemned now what right? um, I've heard moralistic sermons where you know, preacher gets on a political thing and he starts talking do, about do the
1: right thing, do the right thing. Yeah. Be, be the good guy don't forget to go
0: out and vote and it's, that's not the solution that's not, that's not going to change anybody the law does not change anyone, right? Well,
1: it doesn't matter who you
0: vote for. It's circling right?
1: back to Christ at the end, yeah. to Jesus and what he did on the cross at the end. Yeah. And that's where you're saying these churches that's, are losing that's, it? Okay. that's
0: where I'm saying where, where fundamentalism went. They, they, they kind of skipped over the, the doctrine of the church, said, oh, that's not important. Let's unite for this cause. Rather, well, But, the, but when you go to the scriptures... What is important to Paul? What is important to Peter? What is important to all of the disciples? What, what was their focus? It was Christ and what? His church. None of the letters were written uh, to someone outside of the church, right? They were all written to churches and, well, except for Philemon who was a member of a church. But they were all written to churches. The importance for the apostles and the disciples and, and our Lord was the church. That the church would be founded, and it wasn't to be. What are some of the passages, passages that talk about changing society? What was, what's the what's the one that What's that one passage that we, people often use? Great
1: Commission.
0: No, that's about the church too. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Well, in my interpretation, if you're a covenant or maybe not, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, what, what was what, what is that passage being lights in the world oh, yeah. right that is the passage that people use to say that means we need to be really involved in whatever field and if you have a gift for it I say go for it that's I'm not trying to dissuade anybody from being a politician or a doctor or yeah we should do these we should be involved in these vocations as Christians and they're actually christian vocations right um, but the thing we're missing and there's the two dish- ditches comminating to the culture or trying to change the culture rather than being counter cultural the opc has been counter cultural there's a different that's a big difference between being cultural counter cultural and being Transformers, right? Because to be a transformer, you gotta, in some point, compromise. You're gonna have to compromise something. Give up, give up a little bit, so you can get something done, right? General, uh, I wish Jesse was here. I would give him this pamphlet because he had a lot of questions. Uh, What is the OPC, right? And there's a section point four. You can find it in the back. Uh, General Assembly decisions. The OPC have made decisions that were counter-cultural to say, this is our stance on it. We're not going along with it, right? So it's not so much where, by doing that, we didn't change anything, but we're saying this is where we stand as a church, as a tradition, as um, c- counter-cultural Christians. There's, I'll give you examples, liberty of conscience. That had to do with alcohol and dancing and all those things. Eschatology had to do with um, the last days, what views we have. Pre-millennialism,
1: yeah, yeah
0: okay. um, uh, all, all th- the rest three views. Yeah, I got it. Not 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 the. Uh, yeah, rest um Freemasonry. That was yeah, I, I, I read could, this one. I can
1: believe that one. Yeah.
0: Free Ma- if you're a Freemason, you cannot be a member of the church. Uh, they established in 1950 uh, that uh, condemned it as um, a religious institution and it's anti-Christian. Freemasons. I know. I know Freemasons who were members in churches uh, in the past. I just see the. We used to have them. Yeah, and and so I'm like, hmm, and they were on the like the trustees board and all. That. Like, oh, okay. Um,
1: Do Freemasons consider themselves a religion?
0: They they'll probably say they're not, but they
1: they are. Yeah. Well... Cultish, maybe secret society, secret society, yeah, which in which they take pledges of oath of allegiance to somebody other than God, yeah, uh, it's not a generic
0: God, sense. it's kind of like a um, uh, syncretist, they, like it's the same God, yeah, but different but in their for every they religion. Use the
1: word God with a big oh, yeah, they oh, yeah, oh, yeah, in their ceremonies, oh, yeah, yeah. the Bible, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's I'm not real cult, I haven't done a lot of reading, I have done some reading, I'm intriguing, but oof. anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I talked to Carl.
0: A bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I saw his ring. Yeah. Said, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we don't want to publish that. Die
1: hard. But... <clears throat> yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, George, uh, you know, George Washington. So, if he was to walk through the doors today, he wouldn't be a member of the OPC. Yeah. But, from what I understand, um, they started off Christian. From what I understand, the founding was actually, I think Presbyterians were involved in Freemasonry. Well, I think it was. But then it just... Went with the culture, and went towards but the mixing of religion. We're
1: pre-United States,
0: aren't Was we? it pre? Um, here, I'm not sure. I gotta. I'm not clear on that. I'm, I would have to look back.
1: I thought. I thought it went. I thought it, it went. I thought well, it Freemasonry
0: went, itself, yes, but yeah. here in the states, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it came. Um, well, if George Washington was Freemason, then it would have been, would have been that before. Time. Yeah. Uh, exclusive psalmody was another one. Um, they agreed that hymns are okay. Um, evangelism, free offer of the gospel, right, to everyone, including I, I evangelize even believers. So, um, um, guidance from the Holy Spirit talking about the charismatic movement. They made an issue that is not in line with the scriptures. Yeah, if you have questions, please ask. Because I'm going a mile a minute.
1: Even if you don't understand a word, dude, just... Yeah, because just... Because if you don't understand words, it's really hard. So anyway, don't yeah. be afraid to just yell. Like even, even something
0: like, what is the charismatic movement, right? It's, um, it's all good to know. Most churches, most popular churches today are charismatic. Um, very show-filled and exciting but then like someone said, until something really awful happens in your life, that you know, that excitement you did that's not gonna do the do the job, right?
1: Or some of their leaders go down.
0: Which we have seen unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I know one of the things, Derek, is I think about myself as a young adult. I you know going to school here in Lisbon, quite a few Roman Catholics. And I know you're yep. familiar with the Roman Catholic in in that fifth, sixth Seventh, eighth grade area. Maybe it was seventh or eighth grade confession. I think you know what I'm talking. I think is that what I can't remember what my buddies used to call it. uh, Yeah, the girl. Not confession. Confirmation. uh, Confirmation. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, we have a a version of that, don't?
1: It is a version of it, but the but the.
0: (laughs) No, I know, I know what you mean. You you have to do it by this age, or you know. First communion is at this age, if you don't do it by then then you're behind,
1: Yeah, like, and then it's bad, you know, and you know so
0: Yeah, confirmation for us would be entrance into communion. To the Lord's Supper. Right.
1: Which is membership.
0: Yep. Yeah. Full full membership.
1: Right. Well the the way that my buddies in school understood it is dude, I'm good to go. Right. right. Like I am saved. Yeah. Like I mean that's yeah. like and and I'm. The way I understood it is, like I'm good. I you know I only have to go to church. on Christmas oh, and yeah. Easter. Now that you know what I mean, you know, and I'm all set. That's the, the description that came across to me at that time. Yeah. Um. And it had to be done at a certain time period. I mean, it seemed kind of like rushed on. You know, so
0: it, it wasn't genuine. Yeah.
1: I wasn't going to say that, but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, or they don't even believe. They just believe that it's, it's um, fire insurance. Right?
1: Per se, yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of fire insurance operations working out there. I think that's exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yep.
0: And, and, um,
1: but that's some of the misleading things you can run into as a youngster, you know, hearing yeah. that. Um,
0: well, hearing that we are traditional, right? Yeah. We are traditional. But not in the. It would
1: run completely against the grain of the Roman Catholic Church of today.
0: Yeah. Because when people hear traditional, they hear. Traditional? They hear Roman Catholic. Right? When you hear traditional, you're thinking, oh, they're like the Roman Catholics. They do things repetitively. Repetitiveness is not a problem.
1: Okay, right. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. right. I get what you're saying. Right. No, no, it, it, is a, it is a
0: heart religion, right? We, 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 you must be converted, right? right. Uh, from the heart. But we also have a tradition that we hold to. Um, well, I would argue it's this Presbyterian tradition. And uh, rather than skipping something like the doctrine of the church, which membership is about, right? Going over what the church is and how it is important, how we govern the church is important. Being held accountable by not only the elders, but by each other is important. These things are, um, we see it all throughout the scripture. And um, what I'm saying is here is um, rather than being overwhelmed with what's going on in the world, we ought to be concerned with the church. At the end of the day, we know what's going to happen. We have our duties, and as Christians, we live in the world as Christians, and we try to uh, make it better, but the church is not to be overwhelmed by it, right? right. As individual Christians, we live in this world, and um, wow. like, like you guys, you, you farm. That's a great service to everyone, right? It feeds people. These are good things, and we are to do, you ought to do it to the glory of God, right? Um, but what was happening with the fundamentalists, the importance of the church kind of, yeah, it's all right. And now we see today the effects of that mentality. The church is not that important. It's secondary, then it became not that important at all. And well,
1: attendance in general. It's it attendance would, of church. What would, yeah. would
0: affect that? And all this relevant church stuff that is going on, you know, relate to the young people today, that's going to pass too. And those children are going to get older and they're going to say, this is not fulfilling that gap, right? Um, It's not feeding me as an adult as it did when I was a teenager, right? Um, And it passes. How often do these trends, I mean, look, I don't even listen to music today, but I know it changed from when I was a kid. And from when I was a teenager, and I'm like, whoa, I would never listen to this. But there are young people listening, and there are churches who want to accommodate to that and say, okay, yeah, look, we're hip, we're cool, you know.
1: Right.
0: Um, and you, you don't hear classes or, or teaching on the church, the importance of the church, the importance of the ordinary means of grace, uh, the, the importance of the marks of the church. How many marks do we have? Does anybody know? Marks of- Marks, true, marks of the true church.
1: Administration, correct administration of the sacraments, preaching mm-hmm. of the word. Um.
0: What's the last one? Discipline, right? oh, yeah. Discipline. We don't have nine marks. We have three. I don't know if you get that joke. But anyway, um, uh, instead of being focused, didn't you didn't get that. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll catch up. <laughs> Uh, We've also made um, the General Assembly of the OPCs uh, denounced abortion and made uh, efforts uh, to heal the problems of race, uh, to achieve biblical race relations. So all of these things, it's not that we ignore the culture. We're not Amish. We're not um, trying to run away. We see what's going on and we say, okay, what does the Bible say about what's going on? And make the pronouncement. Give the solution, the only solution. Not that it's you know the gospel is just a solution, uh, but we give the gospel because that's the only way for sinners to come to know Christ in the true way to walk.
1: I think one of the things that's intriguing about the OPC, just from what little bit you know, I in the past I've drilled Patrick. Love to hear about what he knows about other denominations and other you know, and I'm often asking you, you know. Yeah. What are other churches teaching, and no, 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 no good. But, but and I think one of the great things about the OPC and the preaching of it is sin. You know, that's one thing that is not. Turn on the TV. There's 50 televangelists on today from eight this morning, and you can watch every single one of them. And there might be one that will say you are going to hell without Jesus. You know, in that rough way. You know, in the yeah, it's the, seldom convicting way, you know, the way you preach, you're convicting, you know, and but people don't know that they're sinners. People are like, okay, I can get through this. I can make it if I'm good enough over time. You know, Yeah. that's what a lot of people believe today, and that's not the case. All have sinned and fallen All have sinned. All.
0: And that's the other issue going back to churches becoming political, you know, especially in our climate today, the fundamentalist churches... Becoming Being
1: on the right side of politics is a winning thing.
0: Yeah. Right? Oh, and they, you know, some churches tend to address only one or two sins. What are they? What are they? Abortion. Abortion and homosexuality. and homosexuality. They are sins and we do address them, but what about pride? What about. Here's one uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain. And how many politicians do you know have used the Lord's name to gain votes? I mean, you, I don't want to judge people's motives, but we know the nature of politics. Too well. We know the nature of, because, you know, we're, we're sinners too. Uh, and how often do politicians... In the Old Testament, what was the punishment for taking the Lord's name in vain? Death. Death. Same as murder. But today... Murders seem to be more important, or higher on the, on the list, right? Yeah. Right? And when, when you really think it through, it's like, you know, that's why churches all aren't to get heavily into the political sphere. And I get pushback when I say that, because what are the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms? What are they primarily? They're religious documents, Right. But they're also what?
1: A form of government for our church, right?
0: Think of when they were written. What was going on?
1: If you, Scotland. I'm gonna. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, there was a war, right? Mm-hmm. Crusade,
1: religious and, Crusade.
0: And well, okay, better question. Who wrote the Who wrote the Confession Creeds? Huh.
1: If who wrote they, the confession?
0: Uh, g- general title. A, what did they call them? The
1: uh, divines.
0: Who the divines, it, but who were.
1: Wasn't a council? What,
0: what was the derogatory term used for these men? Puritans. Oh. Right? I
1: didn't think they were called Puritans, no, but anyway.
0: Yeah, they were. Well, that was the Puritan period, was during the writing of the confession and creeds. Okay. I mean, the, the confession and catechism. If I said creed before, I don't mean creeds. Yep. The confession and catechisms were the Puritans, they wrote wrote them, it was 200, I forgot the number, 200 plus men, wrote to confess, not only to reform the church. They weren't there only to reform the church, they were there to reform the government. So that's the pushback I get oftentimes when I say the church shouldn't be involved in politics.
1: Wasn't the king dictating to the church?
0: Yeah, well, well, yeah, Queen Elizabeth. Well, Derek, I read somewhere
1: that the framers of the Constitution of the United States took their, grabbed their framework from Presbyterianism. Yeah. Correct? I mean... And, and that's
0: where I was going to go next, and you're, you're stealing my thunder. Well, I don't want to steal um, any thunder. I mean... Um,
1: but, but Derek, some people take that to the next level.
0: But what is... What is... What is... Um, so get back to... So, so what is the difference between Presbyterianism in America and there in those days. What do you think the difference is in the confession? What needed to change once you're here in America? Think 1776.
1: Independence.
0: Independence, and what did that bring about?
1: A government without a king
0: yeah. That's not,
1: that's not what else you're looking for. But. What
0: else? Yeah. You're getting there. I'm going to read from. Um, Are
1: you going to give the answer on what you read? Yep,
0: I'm going to give the answer. Yeah, Hopefully. Hopefully, I still have your attention. Um, but I want to argue that our tradition as Presbyterians, the OPC, we run in the tradition, yes, of Across the Pond, 1647, when the The confessions were drafted. But also we run in the tradition of the American Presbyterians, specifically from the Princeton theologians. You think of Charles Hodge, B.B. Warfield, Samuel Miller, Archibald Alexander, um, Gerhardus Voss, who was very important for our uh, theological point of view. We run in that tradition, and I can make the argument from Uh, Machen, Machen was a Princeton theologian who left Princeton to establish Westminster and the OPC. Right? So, yes, the church ought not to get overly political. Why? Because we made political decisions, right, in our country. And here here I'll read the first paragraph. I'm not going to get too much into it. It's a lot here. But uh, Daryl Hart in his book, Calvinism A History. Now this is, not, this is not all the history of Calvinism. This is a very small book. Um, he's, just, he's just pointing out the issues and how, why some Calvinists are different than others. He's trying to point out the differences uh, so we could get an understanding. Um, and this will be relative, I'm not sure, be relevant with the RPs down the street. Uh, Presbyterians in the United States had little trouble extricating, that means to liberate themselves, from compromising entanglements with the civil magistrate. None of the British colonies in North America that were to become the United States had a Presbyterian ecclesiastical establishment. Neither did the Articles of Confederation or the United States Constitution call for a church-state relationship that prevented Presbyterians from exercising their convictions regarding the institution and maintenance of a re- reformed communion. Some Presbyterians, like the Covenanters, objected to the silence of the United States law about the lordship of Christ and so forbade members from voting, serving in the military, or holding public office in a republic that did not acknowledge Christ. But the uh, main branch of American Presbyterians never originally objected to the new political order of the United States. In fact, the Presbyterian Church in the USA, on the eve of its first General Assembly, 1789, revised the Westminster Confession's teaching on the civil magistrate. Where the original confession had required civil authorities to protect the true church and punish false religion, the American revision taught that rulers had a duty to protect all religious groups. There's the big difference. We are the OPC in its tradition. Not every minister at the OPC, but we're very American. We view the church and uh, our interaction with society very American. Um, we're back in the 1640s. If you're if you're in the church and you're practicing false religion, right? Or if you're in society and you practice false religion. Big difference With the covenanters, right they covenanted, they believe that God covenanted not only with the church but also with the nation, the government. So you see, big difference. Theonomy, right? For instance. there are many expressions of theonomy, but, yeah, but that's the an expression.
1: Don't, maybe some of them do in some circles, but don't stand by that today, do they?
0: Um, I'm not sure who, who's practicing it anymore, but there are churches, uh, Reformed churches, that will ask the, the congregants not to essentially, vote.
1: Essentially, what you just read there. Not to but, vote, not
0: to essentially, interact essentially, politically at all.
1: Essentially, what you just said there is the the government when the when the um, Const, Constitution was done in 1789. That they changed Westminster because Christ should have been the center of the government? Is that. No,
0: no, no. The original Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 23, um, said that the government was responsible to punish those who threatened the church and false religions.
1: How do you feel about that?
0: I agree with the revision. The 1789 revision. I, that's the one that we adopt. That's, that's the one we have. We don't have the original 1647 right. version. We have the revision. That uh, Think of who was on that board. Uh, who was in the, that presbytery. Think of one person. During the Revolutionary War. Who signed his name. On the Declaration of Independence.
1: Well, There was one clergyman. Um.
0: John Witherspoon.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? <clears throat> um, and that, that, w- that would become the PCUSA. Right. Which, you know, would become the OPC. That's my argument. But
1: So, so you've got to get me back to Presbyterianism in 1776. They wouldn't yep. vote. They wouldn't fight because... Mm-mm.
0: That was speaking of the Covenanters who came over. They're a different group. Okay. Different group. Okay.
1: Right.
0: Um, the Covenanters um, saw that the covenant was not only between okay. God and his people, but also with the nation. So the government had to be Constantinian or strictly Christian. Where we, you know, Americans, we have a pluralistic government. We've always had a pluralistic government. All right. Um, and the other question is, with that, is at the time too. You think about it, at the time, Presbyterians thought thought that Anglicans, or the Anglicans who sided with Queen Elizabeth, were non Christians. So are you going to punish all of them? Right. right. So those are the things you're going to battle with.
1: No, no, no. I get. I, that makes sense, sense now. But
0: <clears throat> when, when um, there were pagans here, you know, during the signing of the Constitution, right? We believe that it wasn't only Christians here. Absolutely. And so, and so. Um, so there's the difference, and that was a ramp. Uh, that wasn't even notes again. So we are Presbyterian. We are confessional with a little revision, right? The 1789. Uh, they tried to revise the confessions in 1903 to make it a little more charismatic, have a section on the Holy Spirit. Uh, conservative Presbyterians opposed. One of them was Gerhardus Foss and B.B. Warfield, um, and we didn't, we didn't uh, adopt that version. And liberalism came in the 20s. Machen spearheaded the movement against liberalism. Um, he also fought against fundamentalism as well, in the sense of um, the church being utilized as the only society changer, right? And he wanted to get back to the church, the importance of the church having a government, having our traditions passed down to the next generation. Um, That's where I'm going to try to finish up with today. So we're Presbyterian, we're a confessional. um, And what else was handed down to us in our tradition? It is the ordinary means of grace, right? That's preaching the word, sacrament, prayer. That's what we do here every Lord's Day. Um, and then we have the, um, the marks of the church, preaching, sacrament, and discipline. So I'm going to cover the four, right? Preaching, um, sacrament, and uh, s- preaching, sacrament, prayer, and discipline. So we, we first see this in uh, the Great Commission, all authority, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Two things that he commanded his disciples, uh, apostles to do that fall under the umbrella of discipleship. He is calling them to disciple all nations by baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's a sacrament in teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. So you have the sacrament of baptism and teaching, both to be done by those who have been set apart for the task. That's what we see in that text. Um, lay people don't, like the question has been asked, do lay people baptize? No. Lay people are not called to baptize. Neither are they called to teach and preach, Right? He was speaking to the 11 disciples or apostles, not the entire church in that text. Um, there were many other followers, but he appointed them to follow his command specifically. And this tradition has been passed down to the church. Um, so, like I said, the first tradition that is passed down is the sacrament of baptism. Or we can include that with the sacraments. We see that the Lord's Supper is also instituted and is being practiced as well by this time he not only com- commands that we baptize but that we when we gather we feast on his body and blood hear what paul says for i received from what the lord from the lord what i also uh, delivered to you that the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after the supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There we have the two sacraments. Which we call a means of grace. They portray. Christ crucified and raised. By the Holy Spirit. And it is applied to you. If you believe. Then you have the teaching. <clears throat> but how do they teach? Even though teaching is not always preaching. But preaching is always Teaching, Preaching is one of the most important marks of a church. Uh, this is what the disciples did to lay down the foundation of the church. We see this in Acts 6.2, 8.4, 8.25, 10.36, 15.35, Ephesians 2.17-20. Everything the church does is surrounding the preaching of the word. Because it is through the preaching that we hear and are saved by the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting us of sin, generating faith in us and leading us to Christ. This is why he says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Right? And then later, he will say, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Right? Ordinary means of grace. That's the second means. Preaching is a vessel that delivers the message that saves your soul. It is the ordinary way that God saves his people. Uh, we have extraordinary means, of course, right? But the, tradi- the tradition or the ordinary means that God has given the church are these, sacraments and preaching the word. Uh, evangelism, I've said this before, evangelism is often viewed as extraordinary. It's outside of the church. Um, but I would argue even evangelism is uh, done within the church. It's done within the preaching. It's done within the teaching. Um, Every time you hear the word, um, the full word, the gospel that is sent out, you are being evangelized, right? Um, So uh, to prove that, uh, draw your attention to what Paul says to Timothy as he passes the torch down to the first generation of pastors. This is found in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge Get this, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. He just told the pastor of a church to fulfill the work of an evangelist and fulfill his ministry of pastoring, of preaching the word. So in that context, um, preaching the word and the work of an evangelist are synonymous, they're, they're the same. Um, so preaching, that's uh, the second um, means. Thirdly, there is prayer, another ordinary means of grace because when we are first convicted of sin and driven to Christ, how do we approach him by faith? Through prayer. It says of the early church and acts that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, remember? That's first, the preaching of the word and the fellowship to the breaking of bread which would cover the Lord's Supper and their feast together and Prayers. Fourthly, as mentioned above, church discipline is also a tradition handed down to the church. It is in the context of church discipline, and you're probably thinking of 1 Corinthians, but I'm not going there. Uh, Paul says to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3.6, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. This that is controversial, even for today, because we see idleness and laziness in our culture. It's promoted um, today. Uh, and it is unfortunate for those churches that are seeking. Uh, to adapt some of the ideas and some of the ways of the culture because the culture is very lazy, right? We have promoted uh, laziness and kind of even spiritual laziness, uh, uh, not challenging ourselves, not um, challenging where we are. And that's why I continue to challenge folks, whether it's to read a certain book or to uh, practice something, challenge uh, folks in, in accordance to the tradition that has been given to us. And, and Paul says, if you see a brother who doesn't want to work for a living, to provide for his family, stay away from him and put him out of the church. Because he's speaking to the church there. He says, stay away from him. He's is to be excommunicated. This is speaking of excommunication because he says, brother, Right? That is speaking of someone within the church, a brother. And if you see him, he's not working, and he's just mooching off of people. Put him out if he, if he doesn't repent. Um, he says, do not associate with someone who calls himself, himself a Christian if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. He says, not even to eat with such a one not even to include him in the Christian feasts, right? We spoke of feasts earlier today, which is ironic. Um, This is Paul practicing church discipline in Corinth. Afterwards, he tells them to purge the evil person from among you. Church discipline is one of those traditions, right? Uh, A mark of a true church that was passed down to the church and, and some of that came out of the Reformation, right? Church discipline wasn't being administered, um, uh, neither on the lay level or the, the, the clergy level. Because that applies to clergy as well, right? Uh, Martin Luther remembered seeing priests uh, being involved with prostitutes, lying with prostitutes, and never being reprimanded, never being confronted about it. And this was allowed, Immorality uh, uh, on every scale. And I understand when, when someone says church discipline, they all automatically think I'm going to come out with a ruler and whack somebody. <laughs> you know, something like that. Uh, they, they're thinking negatively about church discipline. And there have been cases where church discipline has been abused. right? You, you, you tend to have a church that probably has a pastor or elders who are maybe overly masculine. They probably took too much of a dose of testosterone that day. And they become overly confident. And like Goliath, they're on a power trip. And those types of issues shouldn't be ignored. And, you know, the session should address uh, folks who are a little overbearing, right? Not lording it over others, right? We're not called to lord discipline over others. I understand that problem. But that doesn't mean we get rid of it. We get rid of church discipline altogether. There, there is a gentle way that shepherds ought to shepherd the sheep, even in the, even in the cause of discipline. And it is one of the worst things to be involved in, is church discipline. I cringe at seeking to confront somebody. But for their sake, and for the honor of Christ, we are called to do it. We're called to do it. And if you, um, so I will. Conclude because I don't want to take up too much of your time unless you give me permission to. Um, If you question whether or not our church is going to survive another generation or two as a church, we should ask where are we with the tradition that has been handed down to us? Right? History is important for the church. And for young people, I know there are temptations to leave the boring, reformed church um, for a more contemporary or culturally relevant view of the church. But like I said, that's going to pass. Those trends come and go, and they're always alternating And, you know, you think of a small church like this. If we did that, we wouldn't survive another generation. Because it would cost too much to keep up with all the changes in the culture. It costs a lot of money to keep up with uh, what's hip, right? Um, It will all soon pass. And the truest test of a church is when all the thrills, all the chills, all the excitement... Of the lights and glamour. Strip that all away. Just take that all away from a church that you see that is thriving. What will remain? What remains after you strip it? Is the gospel of Jesus Christ being preserved there? Or will it pass with everything else? That is why it is important to pass down the traditions of the church. Even to the younger generation. Catechizing them. Right? important, really important, knowing the questions of the shorter catechism at least, right? knowing God, who he is in himself, um, passing that down to the generation, knowing the importance of the church uh, and what the church is here for. Because if you're not grounded in these truths, you, you're going to easily be taken by all sorts of wind, winds of doctrine in the world. And it, it'll lead us to despair. It'll lead us to a despairing faith. We're not. What do we have to hold on to, right? If it's not the tradition that is grounded in the Scripture. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'll address. Uh, there's a problem when people hear the church is traditional. We normally think of Roman Catholicism, or the days when everyone was forced to go to church, right, uh, in places like England, and it becomes just sort of a ritual, uh, you know, uh, and never having an effect on the heart or the individual. But like I said, the problem is not the tradition of the church. The problem is not the tradition itself, unless the tradition is founded on the opinion of men. The problem was always the sin of the sinner and being impenitent. We we think of... um, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah uh, God said what are you, why are you trampling my courts the problem wasn't the tradition he instituted those courts, right? he instituted the tradition, he said you ought to follow this tradition, you ought to sacrifice you know, uh, these goats and these lambs on this particular day you're to, you're to do it the problem lied in the heart of the believer going into those courts, and they weren't considering their neighbor; they were heartless and without compassion, and they were without the love of God. Right? I know in your if you have this sheet, I don't think I don't know if you do. It's listed as number five on the outline, but this is not a tradition. Um, this is kind of the guiding principle of our tradition, and this guiding principle is the regulative principle where we say that God regulates our worship. We see this throughout the Old Testament and in the, in the New. We see it in the Old Testament in Exodus 34, Isaiah 29, 13. And in, in the New, we see it in Matthew 15, 9, 28, 18 to 20. Romans 1, 21, right? He regulates our worship. Colossians 2, 22 to 23. So the tradition and the repetition of worship is what God has established, not man. The problem with the traditional worship service is not that it is repetitive. It is not that it is old-fashioned. The problem would lie in the individual sinner who comes ungrateful and unrepentant. And this regulative principle leads to the final question. Where does the church draw its tradition? Go back to 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. He identifies where the tradition that we hold on to comes from. It comes from the spoken word of the apostles or the written word in their letters which I will get into the next class. If I'm not missing anything, are there any questions? No? No question. no questions. Okay, I have some reading material for you, too, uh, to take home with you. Um, from the last time I gave a few out, where is it? This is Michael's... Uh, important points in... Uh, History of the Presbyterian Church. Uh, This has to do with the old side versus the new side, Uh, 1741 to 1758. I think it's important to know this and to know um, know why there are differences of emphases and those kinds of things in certain churches. Yeah. and the oh, story of good. old psycho <clears throat> this is uh, important. Did you want it to do I have extras. <laughs> you better get reading. Yeah, that. you
1: better it get reading. There's a lot get. of
0: reading now. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> and, um, and so this is, this will gain us a, a better understanding of why we are what we are as the OPC. and. Um, I think today we're, we're kind of a mix uh, of old side and new side. It depends on the minister you get. Uh, um, so I would lean towards the old uh, high church, high church, Presbyterian. I would <laughs> classify myself. But, but anyway, all right, uh, we'll close for today here. and.